that, yeah, maybe this is the year where they start coming after all of these altcoins. I think 2023 is the year that they, they go after. It's not just altcoins. It's the NFTs. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Right? I forgot about NFTs. Exactly, right? It's like, such a joke. All of this stuff, all of this stuff that was basically held up as like, don't do Bitcoin, do this. Yeah. All of that, it's all in the crosshairs now. And by the statements that the SEC has made, Bitcoin is not in the crosshairs. listening to the Flirting with Bitcoin podcast. I'm Mandana. And I'm Ian. And, and we're, we're the, the Recepies. My husband Ian is a Bitcoin enthusiast, but I am not. Each week he tries to teach me something about Bitcoin and Bitcoin adoption. We have a lot of fun with it. But I'm not trying to overwhelm you with technical analysis and price targets, babe. You promise? I promise. And I promise we won't overwhelm you with ads. That's because we operate on the value for value business model. What's that? Instead of reading off a bunch of ads, we're going to keep things a little more personal, intimate, if you will. If you enjoy the show, meaning it brings you some value, consider supporting us. That support can be sharing the pot on your socials, recommending us to a friend, and yes, even sending us some money. And since I'm the Bitcoiner, I prefer Bitcoin. And you can send us some on our favorite podcasting app, Fountain. If you want to learn more about the pod, go to flirtingwithbitcoin.com and our about page to learn the different ways you can support the show. And if you're new here or not, make sure you check out the Satoshi Savings Calculator on the site. It's a little app that I built that enables you to set a goal for how much Bitcoin you want to acquire while also reinforcing certain Bitcoin concepts like the having and Satoshis. And since I know Bitcoiners are all about their privacy, the app works completely in airplane mode and only saves data to your browser's local storage. To all our fountainheads out there, keep making and sharing clips of the show. We may make the content, but without you, all I'm really doing here is flirting with my husband in front of a microphone. Y'all ready? I am. Let's go. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mandana. Hola. Guten Tag. Buongiorno. Konnichiwa. Hello. So we got to add Indonesia. They got into the top 10, which ironically, they also say hello. (laughs) And then we have France, which is bonjour. Yeah, Indonesia and France are tied. So welcome to the top, guys. We're so glad to have you. So, babe, what time is it? The current time is 772-736, and that means a couple of things. First off, the age of the podcast. We're now 54,714 blocks old. Or young, uh-huh. whichever way you want to say it. Um, it's been 1,556 blocks since our last episode, and we are approximately 67,264 blocks until the halving. And if I give you a dollar, how many... Acres could I get on sunny Bitcoin Island today? Today, price has gone up a little bit. You can only get 4,748 sats for a dollar. Yeah, so I guess we'll be talking about that today, but the price of Bitcoin has gone up. The fiat price has gone up. The fiat price of Bitcoin has gone up. Yep. One Bitcoin is still one Bitcoin, though. Yeah, but to get one Bitcoin costs a little bit more. Depends on how you're getting it. How do you feel about it? Obviously, we want the price to go up. (laughs) Right? Like, obviously, it feels better. Don't be coy with me, sir. Tell um, me how you really feel. But honestly, like, this this particular price move, which was, like, 25% in, like, a week. Yeah. 
sadly didn't phase me. Like I was just like watching it happen. And because I knew all the other things that were going on in the background, I was just curious where it was going to stop. Uh-huh. But I wasn't really like impressed with the, with the pump as the kids are saying. In the yeah, that's, apparently that's what it's called. It's so pumping. is Bitcoin pumping? <laughs> well, it was. <laughs> is that is that the term for it? It's pumping, yes. That's so weird. I don't like that. It comes from pump and dump. Yeah, but isn't that a bad thing? Well, the pump, there's nothing wrong if something's going up because people have a perceived value in it. Mm-hmm. It's the dumping part of pump and dump that's bad. Okay. Right? And so people manipulate things so that they can dump, but people get caught up in the pump. Right? <laughs> I'm trying to take you seriously, but you just you just keep saying pump and dump. <laughs> hey, I didn't make up these uh, terms. I know you didn't. I know you didn't. All right, so we're pumping. Well, it stopped. It stopped. It stopped. <laughs> <laughs> We were pumping. We're not pumping anymore. These are technical terms, guys. I'm learning. I'm learning. Again, like, you know, there's a lot that goes into, well, what is the price of Bitcoin? Air quotes there. Um, And in this scenario, I think that speculating here, I'm not saying this is the cause, but I think it was basically Janet Yellen coming out and saying that we were in a debt crisis again. And that just probably caused a certain number of people to say, oh, not playing this game again. Anytime we hit a debt crisis, that means they're going to print more money. Yeah. So you kind of want to front run the money printing. And I know there's a lot of discussion around that happening right now on like mainstream media. So it it checks out. Your theory checks out. Going back to like, it's a known thing. Kind of like the halving. This debt ceiling was a known thing that was coming up. And like a week before they go crisis yeah it's like that's not how you run a monetary system the having in bitcoin is planned out every four years everyone knows it's coming everyone can plan accordingly oh i'm pl- i'm planning a party everyone's invited all right it's time for shout outs the booster of the week is alexis Lexus wrote, happy anniversary, listening since episode 32, but I go back to some episodes to listen with my wife during road trips. We are quite worried about the situation in Europe and the fiat system. So we have started stacking with non-KYC European services like Bitter, (laughs) or it's B-I-T-T-R, I I don't know if it's pronounced Bitter, and Relay, uh, which is R-E-L-A-I, which you send fiat through a bank transfer and they send you Bitcoin in your own wallet. What is your opinion with such services that are non-KYC, but you have to share your IBAN with them? I prefer them so far to P2P apps. I'm just going to assume that Alexis was asking you that question and not me, because I don't even know what an IBAN is. So babe, like, what do you think? What's your response to that question? So first of all, thank you for listening since episode 32. Yeah, Um, welcome to the party. You've been you've been around for a minute. Yeah, yeah, um, and I, I recognize the username. So, like, long time listener, first time caller. Yeah, is that what's going on here? Shout out to your wife too. I'm glad she's uh, she's listening in. I love to hear that. When it comes to like stacking, really, however you do it is secondary to actually stacking sats right like you just want to get bitcoin however you can i've heard a lot of good things about rely i've never heard anything about bitter but the thing i like to point out is that the p2p apps are like the ultimate fallback right like assuming that 
these banking systems clamp down and they they close off all the on-ramps and you can only do it through p2p like those systems will always still be there um but while we don't need to use them any service that just makes it a little bit more convenient for you to acquire bitcoin i would always advocate for that so like i said i've heard good things about rely obviously they're kind of like cheeky on twitter um with their twitter account they kind of troll people and stuff through their like official twitter account um oh you love that well, I mean, like, that's that's like their personality. I like that you said cheeky because they're European, but we don't know if they're British. I think that's French. Oh, you think Alexis is French? No, no, no. I think Relay is French. Oh, I see. I see. But saying cheeky is very British. I don't know, man. I live with you. I've never heard you say cheeky before. I like it. You're very cheeky today. I just tried to grab his cheeks. He wasn't having it. Yeah, you also just hit the mic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... Hey, the first word of this podcast is flirting. It is. And nothing will get in my way of flirting with you while we do this. But yeah, so to that point, though, any non-KYC service is better than any KYC service. But the problem always comes back to convenience, right? And I I know what you're talking about when you're talking about like P2Ps. They're not very convenient. Above that, the non-KYC ones are a little more convenient. And then above that, you have things like Stripe, which are very convenient. Right. But Strike has KYC. Strike does have KYC. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So so KYC makes it more convenient. Yeah. I see. I see. And right. what's and IBAN? So IBAN is an international bank account number. Ah, I see. You know, it's like a routing and account mm-hmm. number combined. But the point is, is that like, I don't use Rely, but if I were European, I probably would based on what I've seen. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of Bitter though. That's cool. I wonder what our European listeners out there are also using. I've also heard of Peach. That's another Mm -hmm. one, which I think is non-KYC, but also P2P, but also very friendly. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a chance to use it because it's only for European people. Mm -hmm. So if you're European and you have access to Peach, give that a try. Again, they're not a sponsor. We're not making any money off of them. But I haven't had a chance to use them, but I've heard good things about Peach also. Next up, our top boosts this week are from Vake, Tanti Mom, and Hello There. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the support. We love you guys. Okay, quick housekeeping. As you all know, I was first in this household to join Nostra because I am really cutting edge on the top of technology, especially when it comes to Bitcoin technology. And then I bring Ian along. So (laughs) if you want to connect with me on Nostra, we're going to put my key, my public key in the show notes. Um, and then I guess since now Ian's now also on on Nostra, like he's caught up with me, um, we'll put his in there too. (laughs) It just feels so good to be first. Are you proud of that whole segment? I'm so proud of that. Okay. 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 And if someone was a first time listener, they might actually think I was, (laughs) (laughs) I was on the forefront of this technology, but, um, yeah, so our, I think our handles don't matter. Is that it? Like, people can't really search for handles. They have to do the public key. There's a couple of services where you can search for handles, but that basically just gives you their public key. Ah, I see, I see. But adding a public key into whether you use Domus or I use whatever client I'm using, mm-hmm. um, when you plug it in, it'll pop up if they have established a, a username. Cool. So, yeah, join. I am... 
not that good at it because I've never really used Twitter. So I kind of forget it exists. So Ian's on it a little bit more, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't follow me and I'll follow you back. I'm Mrs. Onision on the app and Ian is Onision. So I was going to say that a little differently, but I do like how you did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you? Was this your announcement to make? Nostra is my thing. Stop trying to make it your thing. <laughs> how did Nostra become your thing? I did it first. I had it first. That's the that's how it works. Okay, okay, okay. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Mandana is our Nostra correspondent. You're welcome. I expect to get updates from you about Nostra goings on. Great. Should we make a flirting with Bitcoin account too? Why? Because we have that on Twitter in addition to your account. Look, we already got enough social media to I try know, to manage. I was let's, say. let's not add a third one that neither one of us are going to check. I know we're not. It's a lot of work, guys. I'm going to be honest. But the problem with the Nostra app is that there's no notifications yet. So be patient. Um, I do check usually right before we record. So um, add me on there. But I, I'm pretty sure Ian will be more responsive than I will be. But it doesn't mean I don't love you and I don't care. Yeah, so I have Android. And because of that, I have not been able to use the Domus app. So I'm using an app called... Uh, I'm using an app called Nosotros. <laughs> That's funny. Never really said it out loud until now. <laughs> um, it's an Android app. You can download it right off there. Get the APK goes onto your phone. Um, you don't need an app store. And it's pretty slick. It's not as good as Domus, but um, it's pretty slick. And it lets me see everything that you can see, which is the whole point of Nostra. Yeah. And to my defense, I used to be an Android person. Um, and then about a year-ish ago, the new iPhone came out and I needed a new phone. And Ian, in fact, kind of encouraged me to get the new iPhone. And I did, and I don't like it. So I don't know why, but I just assume our listeners aren't iPhone users. They're Android users at, at their core, like we'll I am. We'll never know. We'll never know. But I don't want you guys out there thinking I'm this like longtime iPhone user. No, I've been an Android user until my most recent phone. And as soon as this phone fails on me, I'm switching back. You know you can trade it at any time, right? That's too much work. I can't do that right now. It was so hard switching over. I will say, if you have Android, don't ever switch to iPhone. It's so much work. It was exhausting. I remember. And the iPhone sucks. There's so many more limitations to it. If you have an iPhone and you're ready to use your brain a little bit more, switch over to Android. Because you can do so much more in the Android app. And I think you'll appreciate it more. And the cameras are always better. On the Pixel. On the Pixel, yeah. The Pixel is the phone that I had before. It's the phone that Ian has. And it's so good. I'm just trying to maintain my street cred out here. Nobody was challenging your street cred. I feel like it could have happened. You challenged your own streaker. I just wanted to make really clear who I am. Okay. You know, just... You're a former Android user dabbling in the iOS world. Dabbling. I'm dabbling. Dabbling and disliking. We got it. But anyways, as we all know, I'm the OG on the Nostra app, so (laughs) follow me first and then find Ian. Yeah, and just to tag on to that last little bit of Nostra, um, a funny thing happened today. Jack Dorsey, he's part of why Damas kind of started blowing up. He tweeted about it, uh, which kind of triggered the Elon Musk Twitter response of like banning all kind of social media that wasn't Twitter on Twitter. But Jack Dorsey today on Nostra posted that he was willing to pay up to a full Bitcoin for someone to build Git on the Nostra protocol. And what's Git? It's a tool that like almost every software engineer uses to like manage their code. 
Um, and it's a very centralized tool, which usually ends up running on a centralized server. Microsoft actually bought GitHub, the biggest like online version of Git. Git is not important. What's important is that that whole conversation happened on Nostra and didn't happen on Twitter. And I just thought that was really interesting because like Nostra is now like this other place where conversations are happening that normally would have happened on Twitter. And this was, in my opinion, one of the first like really clear signs of like, oh, hey, like if I wasn't on Nostra, I wouldn't have known that Jack Dorsey said this, right? Um, Also, he proposed a Nostra conference Mm -hmm. in Costa Rica in Nosara. Nostra Rica. uh, Which is that beach that we went to that's the beach that we don't normally go to. Mm -hmm. So like down there in that whole section of Costa Rica. It's a lot more jungly. Yeah, I know. He, I saw, like, there's a working document that he shared, like, a Google Doc, and they're, like, listing the different needs they ha- they have in one's, like, conference space. <laughs> I was like, where are they going to find that? Oh, there's a bunch of, like, places down there. Um, I actually saw a YouTube video the other day about Nosara and how, like, there's basically, they've been overrun with tourists during really? the pandemic, and, like, all these million-dollar houses have been built down there. Huh. There's a lot of stuff. It's just well, not... Houses, on- but not, like... Like oh, like houses, no, houses, resorts, yoga yeah, retreats, yeah. like all that stuff. A yoga retreat might be the best for exactly. you, but exactly. I digress. You know, the logistics person in me was like, yes, let's plan this conference. And then I was like, I don't need to be doing this. And I closed the Google Doc. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> There's like a list of 10 people so far that have like put their names and their public key um, and, and like what they can do to contribute. And I was like, what can I contribute? And I was like, girl, this is not your, get out. <laughs> yeah, get out. <clears throat> but imagine, what if I helped Jack Dorsey pull this event off? Someone's going to help. Someone's going to help. It's not going to be me. Okay, so I think right after we recorded and then before we put out our most recent episode, a bunch of things happened that you were like theorizing was about to happen. That's one way to put it. Don't yeah. you love when that happens? I mean, the writing was on the wall. Still. I just I just said it out loud, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, so after we recorded... You know, last week's episode, I was catching you up on what had been going on in the Bitcoin world. And one of the big stories was the Winklevi versus this <laughs> company, uh, DCG, Digital Currency Group, that was run by Barry Silbert, this like really sketchy guy from Bitcoin's past, well, I guess recent past, right? Well, right after we recorded, the SEC charged <laughs> Gemini <laughs> and uh, Genesis for unregulated securities uh, selling so like the sec has now come after both parties that are beefing about who owes who money and like the platform is already frozen just to recap again like uh gemini the winklevi and gemini exposed a product to their customers called gemini earn where their customers could deposit bitcoin and earn some interest on it they then gemini took that Bitcoin and gave it to Genesis. Mm -hmm. Genesis then took that Bitcoin and tried to go make some yield on it by basically giving it to people like Sam Bankman-Fried and all the fraudsters. Mm -hmm. They lost it. They had nothing to give back to Gemini. And so Genesis paused withdrawals, Right. which meant the Gemini Earn customers couldn't get their Bitcoin back. So that's where we've been for the last like 60 days. When the SEC stepped in and charged both sides, 
it's basically saying it doesn't matter who owes who money. You both basically broke the law by putting this product together. It doesn't matter if it's one side or the other side that like owes someone money. You're both in trouble. But don't banks do this already with regular money? No. You deposit your money. I'll give you some interest on it. While I hold your money, I'm going to use it and invest it in other things. That's what banks do. That's, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for a year. That is not what banks do. What do banks do? It's a common misconception that banks take your deposit and then loan them out to other people. The money that they loan to other people is not your money. Mm -hmm. They just push a button and create money out of thin air. If they had zero deposits, they could still loan people money. Not loaning money. I'm saying the money that you store in a bank. Okay. Right. So the bank is paying you interest on your money, but that's not the result of specifically loans that were made to someone else. Like they're out there just generating revenue and profit for the company and they pay you the interest that they say they're going to pay you. What Gemini and Genesis did is that they were doing it with crypto. And so the product they were building with crypto, the SEC is saying these things are unregistered securities and oh, you securitize. I see. Right? Like, I see. Like I see. You securitize I see. their assets. But if they were doing this with dollars, it would be okay. Uh, yeah. If you get a banking license and mm-hmm. you know yada yada yada, it's yeah. okay. Okay. Right. But that's, it's because that's were, the point that I yeah, was yeah, trying yeah. to make. It's because they were doing this with crypto. Got it. That got them in trouble. <clears throat> and so a lot of people are basically pointing at this, going, "Ah, this is the SEC coming for crypto." Mm-hmm. Right. Probably a slam dunk case because they actually lost people's money. Yeah. So there's a lot of. Um, what do you say, victims or plaintiffs, if you will. The general concept of everything except Bitcoin is an unregistered security. This SEC charging Gemini and Genesis kind of opens the door to getting everyone else. Getting everyone else, meaning? Every other altcoin. Every altcoin, okay. Every other altcoin. So as Bitcoiners, we really want them, the SEC, to basically nail Gemini and Genesis to the wall. Um, so that all the other cryptos get terrified and basically either close up shop or the SEC can just go knock them down one by one and just, you know, for every, every altcoin that exists, that's money that's not going into Bitcoin. Yeah, right? that's true. So like the more of these altcoins that get knocked off the table, people are still going to put their money into quote unquote crypto. Mm-hmm. It's just that at the end of the day, hopefully Bitcoin is the only crypto quote unquote remaining. So what you're saying is like what Gemini and Genesis did is based and they did that with Bitcoin is basically what altcoins are doing internally within their own companies. Uh, no, they weren't just doing it with Bitcoin. You could deposit all kinds of okay. crypto, right? It wasn't just Bitcoin. Okay. So Gemini earned because Gemini is an exchange and they let you buy and sell all kinds of different crypto, Bitcoin being one of them. So let's say you had Ethereum. You could deposit Ethereum into Gemini Earn and get ah, interest. Ah, I see, on it, I see. Right, so it wasn't just Bitcoin. It's just that, uh, and they can go after all of these altcoins. They can't really go after Bitcoin, which is why, like, th- them pursuing this can destabilize altcoin companies, whereas it can't really destabilize Bitcoin. Exactly by going after this particular scenario. If they are successful in court, which I believe they will be, the SEC will have established that this particular thing of deposit your crypto, I pay you interest on your crypto while I lent it out to someone else. Is illegal. Is illegal, right? Mm -hmm. The reason why it was illegal is not because you were loaning something out. It was what you were actually loaning, which is an unregistered security. 
And what Gemini was doing was selling you an unregistered security to participate in this scheme of earning interest. Do you think Bitcoin will ever become a registered security? No. And the reason why is because Bitcoin is a commodity. It's not a security. Because it's a commodity, Mm -hmm. whether people agree with it was distributed fairly, because you can disagree that Bitcoin was distributed distributed fairly, um, considering all the people that got so much early on. But basically the SEC... You get Bitcoin at the price you deserve, baby. Exactly. And so it was, in the eyes of the SEC, distributed fairly, even though some people got in before others, right? Like the first guy to plant corn didn't get in early, (laughs) right? Like he just planted corn first. Um, But so because they've said that Bitcoin is a commodity and everything else is an unregistered security. Got it. So you said Genesis has frozen their accounts? So Genesis is like a subsidiary of DCG, Barry Silbert's company, Mm -hmm. right? And this is their like, take your money, go go gamble with it Mm -hmm. subsidiary. So Genesis froze withdrawals for you to be able to get your assets back Mm -hmm. from that casino, right? But since Genesis and DCG are so tightly interwoven, anything that like takes Genesis down is probably going to affect the whole DCG conglomerate of like all these different crypto companies that exist under that banner. And they're declaring bankruptcy, right? Word on the street is that Genesis is declaring bankruptcy very soon. Okay. And that's their only option. I mean, it's not necessarily that FTX declare bankruptcy. Again, these guys, they have other options, but bankruptcy is the simplest one. Mm Mm-hmm. And mainly because once you declare bankruptcy, everything goes to the courts. Mm -hmm. And anybody who owes you money has to go through the court to get their money back. Right now, what Genesis is dealing with is basically a bunch of people knocking on their door saying, give me my money, right? But once they declare bankruptcy, they just, like Sam Bankman-Fried, you just step away, someone new steps in, it's their problem now. And their job is just to figure out what's left and who gets what of what's left. So Genesis declaring bankruptcy will probably crash all of DCG is the is the um, word on the street. In DCG, one of the other things that they hold, which we talked about last week, one of the things that they also hold is that GBTC that holds about 600,000 Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing blows up. The price is about to drop. Well, yes and no. Um, if the whole thing blows up, all the Bitcoin that they hold in GBTC, I want to believe they actually hold that Bitcoin. Right. Let's just assume that they actually have the 600,000 Bitcoin that's in there. Right. That is probably the only thing of value that DCG owns. Mm. That is the cash cow of DCG. And the reason why it's a cash cow is because the way they've set it up, they earned roughly 2% a year off of the value of the Bitcoin that is in that trust. And 6,000 Bitcoin is... 600,000. Oh, okay. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I was like, 6,000 is not that much. No, no, no. (laughs) 600,000. I know for a fact it's over half a million Bitcoin, right? I don't know the exact number, right? Dang, okay. So the point is, is that they have over half a million Bitcoin that are sitting in a trust. And every year, everybody who owns, uh, you know, GBT, uh, GBTC shares, um, and I won't get into the technical details of how, but they basically pay Grayscale, which is owned by Digital Currency Group, owns Grayscale. Grayscale owns GBTC. Grayscale takes 2% of the value of whatever 600 or 500,000 Bitcoin is every year. 
which comes out to, I think this latest calculation is like $150 million a year. Mm -hmm. So that thing is just printing money for them. (laughs) So if the trust falls apart and Genesis has to somehow give up their Bitcoin, what happens to the investors? Well, this is, and I'm borrowing this from a couple of different people that I've I've you know been reading and watching. Um, someone's gonna buy that trust, like that thing that they've put together that people have agreed to let them take two percent. They'll buy it in bankruptcy court. They'll, someone wants to buy that yeah. because that thing, like I said, is printing money. Michael Saylor. <laughs> well, Michael Saylor wouldn't buy it because he would buy the bit. He would buy Bitcoin, yeah, right? Yeah. But there's another someone out there who isn't doing all this crazy stuff with all these other companies who just wants to get into the Bitcoin game, will say, I'll buy Grayscale off of you. I'll buy the GBTC trust. There's actually a group that's trying to buy it. Mm -hmm. They want to buy it. They want to reform it and lower the fees, right? (laughs) Because, you know, it's pretty exorbitant. But someone would do the math. Bean counters will do the math and say, it's worth us paying this much over whatever the Bitcoin's worth to get access to something that because of his management fees prints over a hundred million dollars a year to us. So are all of these things that are happening in the long run just good news? The Bitcoin that's in GBTC, in my opinion, needs to come out. It doesn't sound like it's going to. I think it will eventually. Like, are they going to be asked or required to use that Bitcoin to give it to the like invest not the investors but the people that were depositing their bitcoin in genesis those are two different companies they are but they're subsidiaries right you can't take money from subsidiary a and give it to yeah you know people affected in subsidiary and that's why they structured that business like that yeah right this is what rich people do they isolate Mm -hmm. things so that they can lose on nine of them but gain massively on one of them right the reason why i think it needs to come out and why it probably will come out is that Bitcoin that's just sitting in a trust like that, that people are accessing through the stock market, is technically paper Bitcoin. And it's not even technically, is paper Bitcoin. And as people realize, which is what's happened all last year, as it went from people overpaying for that GBTC, there was a premium, to now it's like they, they're not willing to pay a premium. It's called a discount, right? It's like 40% below what the price of Bitcoin is to buy that same share relative to the number of Bitcoin that they have. So as people learn more about Bitcoin and as people understand what paper Bitcoin is and as people understand, well, if I actually want exposure to Bitcoin, I'll just go buy the Bitcoin. Yeah. The Bitcoin that's sitting in GBTC, it'll just keep going further and further and further into a discount. They'll still be able to pull their 2% management fee off of it, but eventually it'll be so worthless that they'll just close it all up. And at that point, they'll figure out how to like distribute the Bitcoin or give it away to the shareholders or whatever. But people just don't understand that you can actually hold your own Bitcoin. They're, in my opinion, they're afraid to actually hold an asset for real. Mm-hmm. You know, like oil people are used to taking delivery of oil, <laughs> right? I built a whole field of silos to put the oil in once I take delivery, right? People grow corn. They're used to taking delivery of corn, right? I put in these silos, I ship it all around the world. Finance people aren't used to actually being responsible for the thing that they own. It's always like wrapped up in some safe place and I just have access to it as a way to show that I have wealth. And GBTC took advantage of that the past two years. But as everything was crashing this year and everyone realized like, oh, if you don't actually have your Bitcoin, you don't have Bitcoin. GBTC is 600,000 paper Bitcoin. (laughs) 
And paper Bitcoin is worth a lot less than real Bitcoin. It's just the world and the market hasn't really figured that out yet. But there's a lot of rules that are changing where all the people that were buying GBTC because they couldn't buy Bitcoin, they're being given permission now to, to buy, buy real Bitcoin. Bitcoin yeah. So they won't buy. Yeah, that reality GBTC. is like shifting. Exactly. All right, so I asked you in the beginning of the episode how you feel about the price of Bitcoin going up. Mm-hmm. You said it went up 25% in a week, and it didn't really phase you. It didn't. And now do you want to ask me how I feel about it? Yeah, that's why I put it in the show notes. <laughs> so ask me. Well, how do you feel about watching Bitcoin do what Bitcoin does for the first time with your money in the game? Yeah, I, you know, I have to be honest, like, I get it went up 25%, but it doesn't feel like it's a lot, because I still think about the 70-ish number, mm-hmm. and I just feel like it's going to go back down. Why? Because that's what it does. And because there's so many things that are crashing, I mean, we're talking about all of the things that we talked about today, but then also just generally the economy is really volatile, and so I just am not in this headspace to be like, aha, see, Bitcoin's back up. Um, it's just not at all like how I want to talk about this or not that I talk to people about the price of Bitcoin, but a couple of people mentioned it to me, you know, last week, Mm -hmm. it slips into conversation that Bitcoin's up. And I always think like, you know, when Bitcoin is up, I'm sure everyone's thinking like, oh, Monday and Ian are probably so happy right now. And I'm like, meh, we'll see. Like... It's a long game, right? Like, who cares what the price of Bitcoin is right now? I'll also say, like, I think the celebrations of the price of Bitcoin going up, which I've also seen a little online, is like, all right, well, y'all are super quiet when Bitcoin's down. Bitcoiners don't say anything when Bitcoin's down or when it goes down. It's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But when Bitcoin goes up, we're going to celebrate it. I feel like that's hypocritical. So you have to, you have to look at, the Bitcoin community as it's not just all maxis like me. It's not. I agree with you. So like... It's not a monolith. uh, Sure. But like there are people that are day traders. Mm -hmm. They day trade it. And so people that were day trading Bitcoin as it was going down, 25% move in a week. They made a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's not 25% for them. If they were trading options and actually day trading and using leverage against the move of Bitcoin, anything, Bitcoin, Tesla, Microsoft, anything moving 25%, if you're levered up, that's a big payday for you. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that are probably very vocal right now. Mm -hmm. The, I don't want to day trade. I'm just using Bitcoin as savings technology. Like I don't need, I I like the pump, but I'm not, I'm not in it for the short term gains. People, they're quiet on the way down. They're quiet on the way up. Right. But There's a different group of people that technically you're one of, even though you probably don't identify it as it yet, and you probably will in the future. Don't put me in a box, baby. This is just, I mean, (laughs) you're a millennial. Yeah. Okay, I didn't make up that box, but you're in the box, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So, in a couple years, you'll be the class of 2022. You'll be the person that got into Bitcoin 2022, and it went straight down all year. Yeah. Right. Four years prior, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was the class of 2018. They went through the same thing, right? So you think that I don't realize that 
it's the end of the downward trend and that Bitcoin's going to start going up? I'm not saying that you don't realize that it's the end of the trend. What I'm saying is that in a couple years, you're going to be the person that goes, this is nothing. I wrote it from 70 down to 16. Yeah. Every like, There's only a select group of people that get to say that. You are going to be one of them. I don't care. I know you don't care. Yeah. But in the future, when Bitcoin drops from like 500,000 to 200,000 and everyone's screaming the sky is falling, mm-hmm. you're going to be like, what? Yeah, I, I feel right? like that like, this way. I mean, you but, know, I feel that way with the price of it going up because I do generally believe the price of Bitcoin doesn't matter. We're not selling. We're holding like whatever. But it is it is really interesting to me to see people celebrating it. Where, like, we aren't celebrating it at all. You were a little excited. You were excited. Seeing it do that is yeah. a reminder of, like, what it actually I know. is. Yeah. And I was celebrating it because then you go on to Twitter and you get to see the, like, I don't want to say call it irrational exuberance, but keep in mind, there are a lot of people that got in, like, a month ago. Mm-hmm. Right? All their friends that were Bitcoiners were like, look, you might want to get in now. <laughs> Right? Oh my God, there's so many people I said, I was like, get it together, start buying some Bitcoin. And they were like, yeah, I should. I know I should. I mean, yeah, we but, tried, we tried. But those are your friends, mm-hmm. right? I'm just assuming. Yeah. And so they're only in Bitcoin pretty much as long as you've been in Bitcoin. Yeah. So they haven't had the pattern recognition of you telling them, I told you so, multiple times. They haven't. And I, I would never say, I told you so. But also... It's implied. Part, yeah. I it's mean, the, I, I'm not like that. It's the implication. <laughs> I don't want to be... I try to be like really gentle with people. But the thing that I think might happen is, all right, let's say they bought a month ago. It's gone up now. They get really excited. They buy more. And then it goes down again. So I, I, so I think like it doesn't even matter when you come in because like you're saying, like you need to experience those ups and downs. You need to understand everything that's going on. And so I just think it's just, I just, it's interesting to me to see how people are reacting versus how I feel about it. And then of course, like Bitcoin going up and just the way that I see like mainstream media covering it, it's just interesting. Um, but I have to say like, I don't care that much. I really have stopped caring about the price of Bitcoin. Okay. Which is what you want, right? But I still think you not caring whenever the price of Bitcoin is down. Because, guys, Ian doesn't care. Whenever Bitcoin really drops, even when it was really dropping, like, back in the spring last year, Ian was like, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, whatever. Like, he's too busy to think about it. And he's, like, going on with his day. It doesn't matter. He's just, like, you know, trying to watch some YouTube video that has to do with, like, you know, Bitcoin technology or Bitcoin theories, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. But then when it goes up a little, you're like, ooh, the price is up. So there is, like... There is a different feeling that you have when the price is going up. You're you're still feeling something, and I and I and I will say like so that's the part of it where I'm like I don't actually think we should be indulging in those moments because we shouldn't care when it goes up. I look at the price going up, not at the price. I look at the price going up as the counter argument to people saying that Bitcoin is dead. That's true. Right? So when Bitcoin goes from 70 to 16,000 and people are saying it's dead, Mm -hmm. they're discounting $16,000. Yeah. (laughs) That's a Honda Civic. Maybe not anymore, but it used to be. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, they're saying that it's dead. There's still $16,000 worth of value in there to go 
that has to be redistributed with a bunch of people willing to get rid of it. The obituaries that are written for Bitcoin every time it does this drop, when Bitcoin's like, I know you never watched wrestling, but when it does, for the people that are listening that might watch wrestling, when it does like the Hulk Hogan with the arms kind of down, but they like start shaking, it's like, I'm not dead, brother. I'm not dead, right? It's like everyone everyone who was like possibly doubting themselves for a second that was like, oh my God, maybe I am in on a Ponzi scheme. Yep. Maybe I am mm-hmm. like, maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong, yep. right? Yep. I know that's that's where it's like, whew, okay, but we're good, my, we're good. But my point is, is that like, you know, for me... I don't care either way. I'm excited when I see it do that because it's for everyone else. I go on Twitter and I see everyone else basically reminding reminding themselves like, oh yeah, this thing isn't dead. It can do 25% in in a week. Mm -hmm. And no one knows why. And maybe it's because Janet Yellen said that the United States is about to go bankrupt. But like everyone knows the United States is about to go bankrupt. So why is now everyone just figuring out like, I need to figure out what to do with my money. Okay, Sounds to me like a bunch of people might have figured it out. Yeah. Right. And so to me, the Bitcoin price moving up is just a signal that like someone somewhere, somehow, some reason figured it out. Maybe all together. Who knows? We don't know. But when people say that it's dead because it dropped from 17 to 16,000, that's just crazy talk. Tesla dropped from 400 to 100 dollars. Is it dead? No, people are still buying Teslas. They're still buying Teslas. People are still buying Bitcoin. Yeah. Right? And so, like, the only way they can go up is people are still buying it. That's why I think it going up is so important. Because it can't go down forever if there's always one person willing to buy it. Okay, babe. So, like, all in all, this has been a good week for Bitcoin. In your opinion? I think Bitcoin started 2023 strong. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you're talking about an athlete or a sports team. It, I am. Yeah. Everyone, I think, kind of suspected that 2023 was going to have that spike in the beginning because a lot of people sold off at the end of last year to get in all of their tax harvest, tax loss harvesting and stuff like that and wash trades. So like nobody was expecting the price of Bitcoin to go up in the month of December after the year. Mm-hmm. That it had had. Yeah. That was just not the month that it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. However, 2023, January 1st, midnight, it's a new ball game for tax purposes. Mm-hmm. And so everyone pushes in. Anyone who got out in December, if you're ever going to get back in, that's where you're going to get back in as early as possible in January. Then what I think happened is with this whole Gemini, Genesis, SEC kind of coming around to like what's going on and people are getting scammed and SEC is kind of like, okay, we got to do something now. Even though it looks bad, if you don't know what's going on, right? Like, oh, they, you know, the DOJ just locked somebody up today or yesterday. Now they're suing somebody. You know, all this stuff's going on. It looks bad for crypto. Bitcoin gets lumped into crypto. But for the people who are actually in Bitcoin, they know this is the year. If they're ever going to go after these altcoins and make that definitive split, like there's Bitcoin and there's all this other stuff, this is the year. And I'm not really clear on like where political leadership falls within this stuff. I guess the SEC is coming after them. DOJ is going after FTX, right? Everyone's going after FTX. Everyone's going after FTX, right? So, like, I would hope that it's kind of a bipartisan effort to close these up. I know that there have been hearings, congressional hearings on crypto. There's just been so many, like, Americans that I've been 
like victimized by the whole crypto game. Uh, yeah, maybe this is the year where they start coming after all of these altcoins. I think 2023 is the year that they, they go after. It's not just altcoins, it's the NFTs. Yeah. Oh my gosh, right? I forgot about NFTs. Exactly, right? You're like such a joke. All of this stuff, all of this stuff that was basically held up as like, don't do Bitcoin, do this. Yeah. All of that, it's all in the crosshairs now. And by the statements that the SEC has made, Bitcoin is not in the crosshairs. I think that 2023 is the year some of these altcoins are legitimately going to zero you know when i just said like going from 16 like it's still got to drop some yeah. and like it might not there's always going to be a buyer i think a lot of these altcoins going to flat out zero yeah. people are going to jail <laughs> they will not be allowed to sell let alone have a buyer for it and when we get to that point yes there will be a lot of people that are hurt yes there'll be a lot of people that are like i lost all my money or a large portion of my money hopefully people are paying attention to what's going on and start being able to make that delineation on their own and say i need to get out of this and get into bitcoin because it seems like every time this stuff these things blow up bitcoin does fine yeah how is that yeah why does bitcoin not go to zero when everything else goes to zero what's up with that Hopefully 2023 pulls everyone into that thinking and then we can get into 2024, year of the having, and everyone's fighting over less Bitcoin. And that's when the party really starts. <laughs>